Athletic garment maker Under Armour recently revealed that a security incident involving its mobile fitness app and website, MyFitnessPal, impacted the accounts of 150 million users. So what can we learn from this massive breach so far? I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor of Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Joan Pepin, CISO at Identity Management Vendor Auth0, Joan, who is also the former business information security officer of Nike, will discuss what lessons she thinks other organizations can learn so far from this Under Armour breach. So now, Joan, Under Armour says the information stolen in the breach involving an unauthorized party includes passwords, which were protected by the Bcrypt hashing algorithm, And other exposed information included usernames and email addresses, which were protected by the SHA-1 hashing algorithm. With that said, what's your assessment of the risks posed to users whose accounts were breached? So there's good news and bad news in this situation. The bad news being that it's never good to have your username and password information exposed on the Internet in any way. A large number of people on the Internet use the same username and password across multiple accounts. And so having your username and password exposed to random people on the Internet can mean that they have the ability to log into not just, in this case, your MyFitnessPal account, but potentially other accounts as well. The good news is that Under Armour has clearly taken some best practices steps in order to limit the exposure in just such an event as this. So, for instance, the usernames are hashed with SHA-1. A hash is somewhat like encryption, but it's not as strong as what we would think of as full-on cryptography that, say, the military would use. A hash is originally supposed to be something that's non-reversible. So I feed a string like a username into the hash, and it gives me a string of gibberish on the other side. And there's not supposed to be any way to work backwards from the gibberish to my username. However, in reality, SHA-1 has been exploited with what are called rainbow tables. And what a rainbow table is, is a, uh, an attacker or a researcher thinks of every possible word in the dictionary and every username that they've ever seen, and they create a hash of it. The hash, the SHA-1 hash for that string will always be the same gibberish. So there are now these massive databases where you can take the hashed information and look up the original value. So chances are that the username portion of the username and password pair that have been exposed is going to be available, that hackers will eventually look up all of those hashes in a giant database and be able to determine what those usernames are. But it will take them some time, which is good news. Even better news is that the actual password half of the username and password was hashed with a much more secure algorithm called Bcrypt. Bcrypt does not allow for the creation of rainbow tables because built into the Bcrypt algorithm is a shifting which occurs that when I feed my string in, I get different gibberish every time. Meaning that while users of MyFitnessPal whose usernames and passwords have been exposed 
should take action to change those passwords on any other systems that they've used them on and should change them on MyFitnessPal as well. This is not an emergency to do so, as it will take the attackers some time to get their usernames, and they might not ever be able to actually determine the passwords. But that is unfortunately not a guarantee. I wish I could say that, well, because it's decrypt, you don't have to do anything, don't worry about it. That's not the case. There could be a number of factors that could allow those passwords to still be exposed. But what I would say for now is go ahead and change your passwords. But this does not have to be a stop everything, I'm going to do it before I get back to work today situation. So, Joan, it sounds as though the passwords are probably pretty safe, but that the usernames and the email ad- addresses that were protected with the SHA-1 might eventually be cracked. With that said, if the email addresses and the usernames are cracked, what is the risk to the users? Does this mean that they might become victims of phishing attacks? What sorts of things should they be worried about? Yes, that absolutely could be the case. Now, the sort of, I don't know if it's good news or bad news, but the situation there is that many users' email addresses and usernames have already been exposed through many other breaches. There are also lots of ways that malicious actors or attackers have of getting lists. They're able to purchase mailing lists from legitimate companies that have mailing lists just like anybody else. Your username and your email address might feel very personal and sensitive to you, but chances are they're already on a list somewhere. Now, when an attack like this occurs and an exposure like this occurs, it is not uncommon for people to get their hands on that list and to, to see if those accounts might be vulnerable. So it is quite possible that people whose usernames and email addresses have been exposed in this attack could be somewhat more vulnerable to a phishing attack or a social engineering attack. I think that that increase in risk is relatively, relatively slight. Joan, with that said, another aspect of the breach is that Under Armour says that it looks like the breach occurred in February, but the incident wasn't discovered until late March. So detection took at least a month. As we know, there have been breaches that have happened that aren't detected for months or years. What's behind the delay in detection, do you think, in this case? And any suggestions for how entities can improve detection of breaches like the one Under Armour experienced? Yeah, you know, this is an industry-wide problem. As you mentioned, there are breaches that take much longer to detect, and that's very common. The average time for to detect a breach is much longer than the one or two months that it seems to have taken Under Armour. So, again, good news, bad news. The good news is is that in this particular situation, Under Armour seems to be ahead of the curve in being able to detect a breach relatively quickly. However, relatively quickly in this industry is still a long time. And the reasons for that are many. Information security can be a complicated problem to solve. And every company is a little different. So there are different reasons that that breach detection might take longer in different environments and in different companies, depending on their infrastructure, their technology, depending on the skill sets they have in their security team, whether or not they have a formal security process, et cetera. So the, the ways to get better at breach detection 
are all of the boring standard ways that you get better at information security. You know where your important data is. What are your company's crown jewels? In the case of Under Armour and MyFitnessPal, their crown jewels is that their customer data, their customer's personally identifiable information, their workout information that goes into the product. That's their most valuable asset. And so understanding where that data resides, how that data is processed, by whom, at what time, for what purpose, logging all of that, having those logs regularly analyzed, having any unusual behavior in those logs investigated, all of that very sort of basic fundamental corporate security legwork, developing those processes, being good at executing those processes, and making sure that as a data company, you know exactly what's going on with your data. That is really the, it's, it all comes down to fundamentals. There are different strategies you can employ in terms of technology, things like data loss prevention tools, intrusion detection tools. There are things that you can do in terms of structuring your team. Are you regularly doing penetration testing? Do you have an internal red team? Are you testing your business logic and business processes as well as your software security? There's a lot that can be done to improve the breach detection, but all of it is the long, boring slog of building an information security function, staffing it, making sure that you have the right people, processes, and technology in place. Now, Joan, when it comes to protecting mobile apps, any lessons that are emerging so far from this Under Armour incident that you think other vendors or users of mobile apps should keep in mind? I think that in mobile applications, there's tremendous benefit to the app developer in ease of use, ease of adoption. If you are an end user who is purchasing an app with a trusted brand from a trusted app store like the iTunes store or the Google Play store, are, have a high degree of trust by default in the application and they are willing to provide rich interaction and rich information about themselves and their usage patterns. And I think what that does is it really makes it incumbent on the mobile app developers to treat that data like it is their crown jewel. I think the lesson here is that you can get to 150 million users. I mean, let's think about that. That's a significant portion of the population of the United States. Like, I understand these users are all over the world, but I think there's, there's 250 million people in, in the whole U.S. And so that is a huge user base that you're able to reach through this mobile application. And so the responsibility to the app developer is great to make sure that they are doing things like hashing their usernames and passwords, hashing the email addresses um, to provide safe harbor in the event that there is a security incident. Uh, we talk a lot in security about defense in depth or belt and suspenders, right? Obviously, they had some security mechanisms in place, but those were breached. And then there's a second layer of defense, which is the hashing. And that's really good practice on behalf of Under Armour. And those are the types of practices that other mobile app developers should quickly adopt. Thanks, Joan. I've been speaking to Joan Pepin. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.